Welcome to roughly a pod. No, I'm kidding. Uh, welcome to our kind of pod officially on our own real purple feed. Get that Boyd Meets World shit off of there. Uh, we have we have transcended me, my my own ego to our own feed. Stanton, how does it feel? It feels like a new beginning. I'm excited. Um, I can just navigate to this and any of your podcast destinations, locations, and find only our podcasts in one specific place. So that's yeah, fun. It, it is going to be nice. Um, and that this to explain things to people, the Boy Meets World was what I started in like 2017, kind of uh, not devolved, but it just became mostly I only had enough time to devote time to Mariner stuff and this. And so let's just make it two different things. The Mariner's thing, roughly a podcast, go find us there. And then our kind of podcast will be what we are doing right here. And uh, this is something if, if folks who have been around for a long time, remember was started the week before the Arizona state game in the 2017 season uh, where the Mariners or the Mariners see this is going to happen a lot. <laughs> uh, when I say Jared Kellenick is the starting quarterback, you know, we're doomed uh, when the Huskies blew one to Manny Wilkins. And uh, that was kind of the, the perfect way to start this thing of uh, this, this lovely, but flawed team that we will continue to talk about ad nauseum every week throughout the fall season. And we might even start out with uh, our gripes about the quarterback every podcast, <laughs> although maybe not so much this season. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I feel like that kind of that mentality only happens when you expect things out of your quarterback and Dylan Morris is, I don't want to say game manager, but he's, he's not, uh, he's not Browning or Eason in a way where the whole thing kind of rides on them. But sure. I will say I am currently a fifth of the way into Rosemary's Baby, a beautiful pumpkin ale made by Two Roads Brewing Company out here in the Northeast. Uh, I got a picture of my nephew this morning. He's just starting third grade. The temperatures are dropping. Wow. Postseason baseball is heating up, uh, and fake high, <laughs> fake high schools are duping ESPN. Michael Stanton. That means it's fall baby. And, and, uh, it, it came out of absolutely nowhere. I feel like this was the eternal summer until it wasn't. And, uh, now all of a sudden you were like last week, you're like, we should probably do this, huh? And we're doing it. Yeah. It's as we record this, it is September 1st. Um, I don't know this, the summer has seemed really long. Mm -hmm. Normally summers, especially in Seattle out here, go feel like they go by like in, in an instant. I don't know if it's the the heat wave haze or anything of that nature, but it's seemed like it's just really dragged on. So um, I'm frankly kind of excited for this fall weather, you know, the typical Seattle response that is you're kind of looking forward to it. And then like a month or two in you're, you're like absolutely loathing it. So, but <laughs> yeah, right now like, I'm looking forward to it. You're like, my socks are wet. This sucks. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think what it is actually is that, in like May, April this year, this was like, you know, a, a shortly after the vaccines became readily available, it was kind of like this grab bag of like, all right, we got life back. And so we're going to take the most of it. And so it made summer feel like it was more like May, June, July, August, than it's usually just sure. like June, June, July, August. So uh, that's probably why it feels longer. And there's like a whole bunch of weddings, I feel like on the front end that, that, uh, that really stacked things. So um, yeah, lots of uh, seasonal talk here. If it, that's what you can expect on, on this year feed. Um, in addition to some Husky football talk, which we'll get into shortly. Uh, the conceit this week is 
you know, we've done in the past, we've done four downs to kind of wrap up what we had just talked about. Again, that, that first down always dedicated to our beloved quarterback named Jake. This time uh, we have a lot of ground to cover. It has been, God knows how long it's been since you and I have, have hopped on maybe like eight months, probably since we've, we've talked Husky football um, in, in a formal way here. So four downs will not suffice to cover an entire preseason uh, podcast. And so instead we are going to do a different bit here. And because, and I'll, I'll, I don't know if you knew this, but the reason I chose this uh, gimmick is that uh, the Huskies have a very important player whose name starts with Z. And so that got me thinking, let's do an A to Z of Husky football. What's going to happen is Michael will start with A and do C, E, all the uh, oscillating letters of the alphabet. I will do B, D, uh, and we will go back and forth throughout the alphabet, each covering a topic uh, that correlates to the letter we're talking about. So Michael, we'll start with letter A and pick something that more or less connects to letter A. I've, I've done some gymnastics to make mine work uh, as we get to the end of the alphabet. Uh, but A is totally yours. Uh, take it away, Senor Stanton. All right. Well, um, I think this is very fitting to begin the ABCs here uh, this evening. Uh, So for A, I am starting with attendance, which, as we know, Mm. um, was not something that we were capable to do last year, at least in uh, in at the University of Washington. Well, Um, well, that I will put a pause in that and say that you and I were able to have one person attend or what one uh, haunting figure attend Huskies games last year. That would be uh, the the cardboard cutout of Nick Holt. Uh, oh yes. <laughs> do, do you have him? <laughs> there we go. There yes. <laughs> from, you can't see him, but there he is <laughs> from the closet. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm glad. Does he pay rent? Does he help s- split the bill? God, I should really should do that because rent is crazy out here. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah. So, so Michael just pulled up our, our Nick Holt cutout that we uh, purchased ahead of, of last year that was parked somewhere on the, uh, the, I don't know, the former student section side. I'm terrible with directions. Um, so Nick and several other cutouts were one of the few beings in the, uh, in the stands last year. But as you're saying, it, you can still see the pain in his eyes from the Stanford game. <laughs> You'd still see the pain in the eyes from being photoshopped by a guy who just won't leave him alone uh, a solid 11 years after he left left the school. But uh, that's neither here nor there. So, yes, uh, we might see upwards of 60 and 70,000 people at Husky Stadium again this year. And that is that is beautiful. Yeah, although I, I will say that they're really pushing a lot of um, at least for the Montana game, a lot of promos, free tickets, what have you. So. I'm kind of expecting it to be a little bit lesser crowd than I'm used to, even for an opening game that's against a FCS opponent. So we'll, it'll be interesting to see what it's like on, on uh, Saturday, because I think there might be some hesitancy of people returning, but yeah. nonetheless, it'll still be exciting and, and great to be in that building for the first time in what, two years, um, a little under two years. So really looking forward to it. Definitely. And uh, honestly, I mean, if you want to, uh, if you want to go to a game, this one's probably the one to go to because there will be the least amount of people at it probably. So you can be sure. more spaced out than, than you would otherwise. Let's talk a little bit more about Husky Stadium uh, a little bit later, but I think that's a great place to start is that uh, there, there's considerable enthusiasm among the coaching staff and players that there will be fans in the stands last year. Every game the Huskies played last year was at home. Um, people kind of forget that, that they, they the road game situations like – how did it work? Were we not supposed to play Utah last year? And it, it just, it, it just happened because someone else couldn't, is that what went down? 
yeah, like got scheduled, I think, during the same week or yes. like within the week, some something crazy like that. I think the only road game was going to be WSU and that got canceled. Obviously. Yeah, that's what it was. That was the Apple Cup. That oh, wasn't was it? The okay. Apple Cup. Yes, it was week three of the <laughs> season last year. Um, yeah, I, I was looking this morning at trying to find like box scores and the Huskies first game last year was week 11 of the college football season. Um, that's when they finally got to play Oregon state. So just <laughs> a lot of what we're going to say about 2020 or, or not have anything to say about 2020 is just, it was so weird. So a lot of what we're going to bring up is not statistical about what we saw in 2020. It's like, this guy looks good. Um, rather than this guy did this specific thing. Cause there's just. There's not a lot of data out there, uh, but speaking of data, I've got I've got letter B, Ooh. which is only fitting because there's lots of those in my name. Uh, letter B, I gave to our uh, patron saint of this podcast, Bill Connolly, a name that our you will deity. hear. <laughs> yes, um, the father of of um, really the father of, of college football analytics, Bill Connolly. Now at ESPN, used to be a football outsider, um, SB Nation. He has his S and P plus rankings. Uh, still don't really know what those stand for, that acronym, but uh, <laughs> they are um, a, a, a very instructive guide and an important part of college football lore is knowing kind of where your team stands in terms of S and P plus. Um, believe it or not, relying on the coaches poll or the AP poll or uh, even the computer polls is not as strong as S and P plus, which is more based off of um, efficiency, how well you are able to um, keep, make sure your opponent is inefficient on offense when you're playing defense. Um, it is in Bill's words, a tempo and adjusted measure of college football efficiency meant to be productive, meaning uh, it is better to have a five play 75 yard drive than a uh, 12 play 75 yard drive. And it's, it's, you know, just cause that's a little bit more sustainable just to set that bar. We'll be using S and P plus a lot. So what did Bill Connolly and his, his magical number database have to say about the almost at Seattle Mariners, the Washington Huskies this year? Well, <laughs> they were 13th in his, his metric, uh, right in front of USC who is 14th and Oregon is 15th. Uh, Huskies are rated 11th on offense. According to Bill C's ratings, 25th on defense, they are the last team with a 20.0 or higher rating in his metrics. Uh, to give some perspective, Alabama is one of the only teams in the 30s. So this is kind of college football's second tier. And uh, he has us at 9.3 projected wins, which all sounds good and I think is about right for what you and I would expect with this team, except for Bill Connolly has an 84%, has us as 84% odds at winning at Stanford this year, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> and, and one place where the computers just don't understand uh, how this thing goes. Other than that, I think that all sounds good to me. Uh, 13th, 11th on offense, I think it's pretty surprising given that this is, um, you know, what we know about John Donovan and this is Dylan Morris's just second year uh, at, at the helm. But if, if he believes it, I'll take it. That would be 11th in the country. Just yes. To wow. Okay. Uh, and 25th for defense. I would think that would be flipped. Yeah, I would too. But I think that's a lot of, um, you know, the Huskies retained a lot of talent on offense um, and not as much on defense where they lost Elijah Molden, who was True. obviously, you know, a, one of the best players in Husky football history. And uh, so that'll hurt a little bit more. And I think that's why they, they grayed out so well on offense and the offense wasn't terrible last year. It was just more frustrating than anything. So it, again, it's tricky, but this all sounds good to me. Yeah. I mean, Hey, I'll take it. There's a lot of things I want to uh, 
dovetail off of that, but I think we'll be addressing them on different <laughs> letters. So I'm withholding that for now. We do have 24 letters to go. So let's yeah. get to number three here. Letter C, what do you got for us? Yeah, well, one of those reasons why the offense is probably rated so highly is the return of star tight end Kate Otten, mm -hmm. um, who, again, going back to last season's stats, you know, when I t tell you 258 receiving yards, it doesn't really... Uh, <laughs> It doesn't really sound like that much, but uh, when you look at the game logs, he had two huge games of where he had seven or eight receptions of over 100 yards each with at least a touchdown, three, to three total touchdowns in those games. Um, then he had two games where he basically did nothing, and I would, I would say that's a result of just not understanding what John Donovan was doing by not targeting him. I think even if the defense is king on K. Dotton, you still got to try and force it to him. And uh, we've seen a lot of that in fall practice. Uh, the K. Dotton uh, Dylan Morris connection has been really good from everything I've read. So I'm I'm really looking forward to what that can be in an actual game setting come uh, this week and beyond. But um, he is he is easily our biggest uh, targets, our biggest skill player to uh, kind of key on uh, going into the season for Dylan Morris in this offense. Yeah, it was uh, it was uh, welcome news in my book that Kate Otten returned this year. Um, I think he sure. has a chance to be a very good NFL tight end. He blocks well. He wears number 87, which is a prerequisite for doing anything in the NFL at tight end these days. Uh, and he's he's just a great receiver and very versatile. So I don't know if he's going to be, you know, like Kyle Pitts fast, but, um, you know, this is a top tier talent and at tight end, something that the Huskies haven't seen since uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins is rock, walking around on campus. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, again, this, this is just, this is one where you don't make it hard on yourself. Kate Otten is the best thing you have. He creates this enormous matchup against uh, basically anybody, but especially Pac-12 conference linebackers who might be covering him. You got to get in the ball. And I think that's got to be an express uh, intent of this, this offense this season is making things easier in the passing game of let's not kid ourselves we have this guy who's got to get the ball. Like you said, two targets in the Stanford game um, where the, the, the Huskies were down uh, way too much during that entire game, really couldn't get Otten involved. That thing just cannot happen. Um, will it happen? Probably because, you know, this, this is just how this goes. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Kate, Kate Otten is, is, the, is the truth. To letter D, our fourth letter here, uh, this I split over two players, Dick Newton and Cam Davis, co-starters at running back, according to the University of Washington depth chart, which was released earlier this week. Now, to be clear, uh, we call Richard Newton Dick Newton. He does not call himself this, uh, but Dick Newton is just so much more fun to say. Uh, Dick Newton is in his third year at UW. Cam Davis is in his second I like this. Do you, remember, do you remember the movie with Jim Carrey? I can't remember the actress, but it was called Fun with Dick and Jane. Do you remember that movie? Yeah. Yep. How about how about Fun with Dick and Dave with <laughs> with with Dick Newton and Cam Davis? I, I'm in on it. I, wasn't there another one like Fig Dick Energy that you had last yes. year? Yes. Well? Yep. 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 Fig Fig Newton. Uh, yeah. Fig <laughs> Fig Dick Newton. Fig Dick Energy. All, all There's of a lot of options play. here. So I'm just glad that in all of this, because uh, Richard Newton had a very weird season last year. Um, he, in 2019, he was one of the best, most efficient running backs in the conference. Uh, in 2020, he only appeared in two games for, we have no idea why, whether it's discipline or injury. One of the great things of college football is we'll never get answers about those. <laughs> uh, he is an aggressive physical runner. 
Um, whereas number six, just, just a, a fun guy to watch play. Cam Davis, number 22, was a true freshman last year. Played in all four games, unlike Cam Newton. He's a little quicker, a little less, I would say, violent of a runner than than uh, than, uh, than Richard Newton is. Um, so the fact that it is those two, I think they're not quite thunder and lightning. Like they're not, you know, to, to steal uh, the heart of one of our, um, I don't know if he listens, but one of our good friends, Pat O'Neill, he's not Brandon Jacobs and Ahmad Bradshaw. Like it's not that you know, it's such of a contrast. They're actually pretty similar guys. Um, so it is interesting that they are listed as co-starters when there's not a whole lot different uh, between the two of them. And I don't think we're uh, touching on this in a later uh, letter. So I also think we should bring up just on the topic of running backs. You still will see a lot of Kamari Pleasant. You still yep. will see a lot of Sean McGrew. They kind of all have their different roles on this team. Um, in fact, last season, McGrew led led this team in carries, I believe with, yep, 43 carries uh, to, to Dick Newton's only 23 and Cam Davis only at 15. So um, it really is kind of like, who's, who's the person that day, yeah. depending on maybe the game plan. Um, so I think that's why you see uh, Sean McGrew and Kamari Pleasant, who are both seniors, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. uh, uh, listed as ors on the second line of the depth chart so technically all four of those running backs are within the two deeps if you look at it that way so um there's going to be a lot of rotation from the running back position this season yeah and i would also i think pretty safely say that pleasant and mcgrew are better receivers than davis or newton based off of what we've seen in the first two years so yeah undoubtedly we'll see those guys and i i again like the, the the who's who's listed as the starter at running back from game to game is not going to matter a whole lot and all, all of these guys will play um and they you know all kind of have different roles but we'll see i would also say the guy we'll talk about later would not be surprised if uh giles jackson the receiver transfer from from michigan doesn't also take some carries in addition to trail bynum who they got the ball um on jet sweeps and things like that last year too so sure Running back is is kind of a, a, a social construct in in this case. It, it's not um, it's not any one guy, and I would be shocked if any of these four players becomes the quote unquote bell cow for for this whole season. Yeah, but that's hey, that's football nowadays too. You need that True. rotation. Yeah, it's uh, the the days of giving it to Bishop Sankey three hundred fifty times, or uh, for probably for good reason behind us. Um, yep. Letter E, take it away. All right. For letter E, I have edge rush, which is a really interesting kind of area of the defense this year. Um, You pretty much have Ryan Bowman and then kind of a bunch of unknowns. Um, Unknowns in the sense that both there's inexperience there and then we just don't know who's going to start on the other side. Right now, uh, Cooper McDonald is listed as the other outside backer, but um, I got to believe that'll rotate. We saw it all during fall camp. Um, Savelle Smalls is still in, in this group. Uh, frankly, hasn't really shown that five-star level of play that you would think uh, he would coming in, but he's still, you know, a, a talented player that definitely could change that uh, over the course of the season. But he is on the two deeps right now. But you also have a lot of praise uh, being heaped on Braylon Trice, who's out of uh, Arizona this offseason. I mean, I, I think Akeka Malloy said said that he thought he was at a better sp- spot right now than Joe Tryon was at this point in his career, which is saying something given Tryon just went in the first round um, of the NFL draft. Um, you also have transfer Jeremiah Martin. You have Jordan Lolo Hea, who's back from his LDS mission. I think he's a 22-year-old freshman of all things. <laughs> um, but you also are missing people like Zion, who's out with an injury. 
Uh, you're missing someone like Lai Tulatu who had to, had to take a medical retirement. So there's a lot of unknown at that second second outside linebacker spot. So it's pretty much Ryan Bowman and whatever the uh, soup de jour is that day. Yeah, Zion, as as mentioned, will will be letter Z. We'll talk about him later. But um, yeah, I mean, somebody in that that uh, McDonald Smalls, uh, you know, uh, Trice group has to pop. I think this year for 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 this to work at a high level. Um, and I, I I'll save it, but I don't know how much we can really count on Zion, even when he does come back, and at least initially. So. Um, yeah, it's got to be somebody that this Husky defense really hums when there is somebody there to get the quarterback to make make havoc to force bad throws uh, to the very capable defensive backfield. But, you know, we've seen over over the years when when the Huskies lose, it's basically always the same way. It's because you can't get to the quarterback. It's easy, you know, third and four situations They keep the chains going and it's a slow bleed to death because you just can't get off the field and uh, without a you know, true stud pass rusher, it's hard to, to accomplish that. So, you know, of, of that group, multiple guys hitting would be fantastic, but um, you know, that might be hard, but then again, who the hell saw ZTF popping off like he did last year? I mean, that was out of nowhere. So um, that is, that is certainly possible. Yeah. The edge rush is, is uh, essential. I think in, in any part of football, but especially um, for the narrative on, on this Husky defense sticking in there, going to F, I'm terrible with counting letters, but um, I think that puts us at six. I have uh, Cameron Fabik-Ulanen, who is number 31 uh, defensive back on this team, who is listed as a starter um, and kind of a surprising move on that aforementioned depth chart. He's a 6'1", 190-pound redshirt freshman from California. Uh, Cam was uh, probably the most surprising name. Like I said, he was listed as a DB, and that's this is interesting. The Huskies list five defensive backs on their de- depth chart. They do not apply a positional tag to those. They don't say who are the corners, who are the safeties. Now, obviously, Trent McDuffie is a corner. Kyler Gordon is a corner. So it's basically between and Julius Irvin is a corner or is a safety. So it is whether or not Cam Fabikulanen is a safety or is he the nickelback? And that will come up between him and Brendan Radley Hiles, another transfer from Oklahoma. It's one of those two guys going to be playing nickel. Fabikulanen is bigger, um, taller, but uh, Brennan Radley Hiles has more experience actually playing that. So that'll be very interesting. And I think what's probably most, you know, uh, peculiar here, obviously, you know, you and I were not at spring or uh, fall spring or fall fall practices to, to see what was going on. Uh, but it certainly seemed like Cam Williams, Alex cook, and if healthy, Asa Turner would have had pole position on Fabikulanen. Uh, but it was, it was, uh, number 31 who ended up getting that spot. So, I don't know if we'll ever get answers on that, but um, this is this is a guy I want to see play because he beat out those other guys who have more experience playing in this conference than than he does. Yeah, this one was probably the most surprising uh, thing that I saw on the the depth chart that was released earlier this week. Uh, Fabikulainen has, as far as I'm concerned, been the backup at nickel behind Radley Hiles all of fall camp. Um, perhaps they just thought he performed so well that they want to see him in the starting lineup at safety. Um, but uh, I can, I did go to one practice at Morrill stadium and I will say he was playing in that nickel position um, throughout that practice. So it is somewhat odd to see him on his own starting line here. Um, one interesting note, I will say, because you would assume that 
Fabiculanen would have been in the two deeps behind Riley Hiles, but instead you you see Dominic Hampton, who uh, we thought was a safety. So none of this really makes any sense to what what the media and and what I've seen what we thought would happen. But what's interesting about that is you have a five nine Brad Radley Hiles at nickel. And then behind him on the depth chart, you have a six two two twenty Dominic Hampton. Um so it's perhaps maybe they just depending on whatever the look the offense is giving them, they can mix up that nickel back with a bigger um wider frame in Hampton. Uh so yeah, I'm really interested to see what this uh, secondary will shake out to be. I mean, you're going to see Alex Cook, you're going to see Asa Turner, you're going to see Cam Williams at points as well. So again, it's it's going to be rotating as they always do. There's just too much talent on the back end not to. But yeah, that one was out of left field as far as I'm concerned with Fabiculanen. I also would put it at like 35% odds that. Uh, all of this, anything that makes us scratch our heads is intentional uh, on this on this step chart because um, all it does is give opponents more information um, and, and fans more information. And honestly, like we don't we don't matter at all. So um, I, there's there's no accountability and there doesn't have to be for them to actually follow through on any of this. Like Fabiculon sure. could literally not play. And that's you know, it's like, oh, shucks. Sorry. Um, so. Who knows? This this might be all all a ruse to you know confuse Montana and or Michigan and or future opponents, um, and they'll put very different things on tape. But regardless, I do think, like you said, if 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 health if everyone's healthy, you will see Fabiculinen, you will see Turner, you will see Hampton, you will see Williams, you'll see Cook, um, and in addition to, I think. All, through all of this, what you can say is that there are four mainstays on this defensive backfield. It is Trent McDuffie. Yes. It is Kyler Gordon. Julius, Julius Irvin has earned one of those two safety spots. And then Brendan, a.k.a. Buki, Radley Hiles, will play nickel and or safety. Um, those four guys, I think, will be on the field a lot. That fifth spot could go to anybody because Radley Hiles is interchangeable at safety and nickel, which is, I think is a good thing. It's, it's, it's um, you know, I think this is probably could be one of the, Husky's best secondaries since like 16 in terms of, in terms of the depth, in terms of the amount of guys who can play uh, at a really high level. I think, you know, they've had yep, solid agreed. production uh, with some really big standouts, but um, this, this is shaping up once again. I mean, it's Jimmy Lake. This is not surprising to, to be a, a, a stud defensive backfield. Yeah. Just one other note uh, to kind of piggyback off of that. When you see Asa Turner, basically as, in the almost the three deeps, that's a good problem to have. Yeah. Cause he could start as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I mean, I think it was pretty clear last year and even his freshman year in 2019 that he was one of the, the Huskies best safety. And so um, I would think that this is mostly health related based off of that, but um, other guys just might be better. And that's, that, that's a reality. What do you got sure. for G for G? Uh, we're going to do a little overlapping here, so I'm not going to try and steal too much of your thunder, but for G, I have Giles Jackson, who's Just the hit it. Yeah. Who's the, uh, the wide receiver transfer from Michigan. Um, we haven't really had a player quite like him because what I'm going to talk about is his ability in the, uh, return game, especially as a kickoff returner, he is listed as the starting kickoff returner on the depth chart. Again, depth chart probably doesn't matter you know we're reading a lot too much into this but i i think he will be taking the kicks for us this year and uh he was pretty successful at, at that at michigan he was a 
Big Ten honorable mention as a kickoff return specialist in 2019. He has a couple uh, touchdowns that he, a couple returns for a touchdown in his career. Um, and UW hasn't had a return for a touchdown since 2016, where we had two of them. One was by John Ross. Can you name what the second return for a touchdown was by? By for, on a kickoff? Yes, on a kickoff. <sighs> since when? 2016 was the year. Um, I don't think you're going to get this, by the it, way. Was it LaVon Coleman? No. I, I, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to tell you because I, you'll never guess this. Keyshawn Bieria. I'm pretty sure oh. it was a onside kick that he returned for a touchdown. Yes, I do remember that. <laughs> so, but but back to my point, Giles Jackson uh, could be a game breaker in on that side of the ball in the special team. So something to keep an eye on. Plus, you know, from a offensive standpoint, he will be used in a lot of different ways, whether that be jet sweeps. He kind of like when I when I hear when I read about him, it kind of reminds me of a Jadon Mickens, kind of diminutive in stature, but can kind of do it all with the, just just get the ball into his hands type of things. Very shifty, speedy type of player. Yeah, and and there's value in him uh, pre snap, just running across the field. Sure, it, it, is exactly. is it going to him? You have to stretch the the defense laterally. I mean, this is literally what has made Sean McVay a mainstay in the NFL is his ability to, to integrate motion. Um, and if the Huskies are smart, they will do it early and often with, uh, with Jackson, because even, even if the defense knows it's not going to him, you have to at least pretend to care about it. And that moves a guy out of position. And then you have a big play. Uh, Giles Jackson. Um, he has big shoes to fill as I think the only zero in that I can ever remember in Husky football. Oh yeah. Abdul Gaddy wore zero in basketball as did quad green. I think wore double zero. Did he do that? Or am I, am I nuts? He wore 55. Uh, but I think before that he might've worn zero. Uh, yeah, and then point. speaking of basketball, the only Giles that I can remember is Giles Derricks, um, the uh, <laughs> dominant <laughs> front court player uh, for the Huskies during, during my college days. Um, so yeah, he is, he's blazing all kinds of trails. H for me is Husky Stadium. Just a quick one. Here are the updates to Husky Stadium this year. We talked about attendance. That'll obviously be a mainstay here. Uh, full capacity, no vaccine mandate to get into the stadium as of yet, um, which is kind of surprising to me, but uh, maybe they're just saying, you know, King County is uh, at a certain level of vaccinations than, um, than other parts of the state they, and country, country they, are. There was some comment I saw yesterday online that um, they're kind of waiting on the state or the or the county to dictate that, but it sounds like that's something that will probably be instituted here in sometime in the next few weeks, just by what how I was reading it. So, I would think with when, once so, students are in in the stands, I think you kind of have to do that, um, especially but, because they're required. The students <laughs> are required to be vaccinated. So right, yeah. So we'll see on that, but that's you know out of you and I's hands. Uh, booze, I think, is a big part of this. Uh, beer and wine will be sold in the stadium now. No Moscow mules available for purchase, but uh, that doesn't mean you can't sneak anything in. There's also no re-entry policy, which um, means that if you're drinking, you're doing it in the stadium and you're doing it with our very reasonably priced, um, super cheap oh, yeah. <laughs> beer and wine, not a $14 Coors Light. Um, there is no beer in the wine and the dog pack, which, you know, good luck with that. However, there will be plenty of hand sanitizer in the stadium and kids are resourceful. So they'll, they'll, they'll make it happen if they need to. Mm. Um, do you think this will accomplish the desired goal of keeping people in Husky stadium for that third quarter? You're saying like, will people just leave and never come back. 
type of thing. Leave and never come back or be stuck in line for, for so long. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I, I think, are you talking about, so reentry or, or booze? Both because of this booze policy, it'll have two effects, right? Either people will say out, screw the reentry policy. I'll just watch the game from my tailgate or whatever. Or I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like the, the booze policy is, is a good step forward. It, um, there's been some studies done that, you know, when there isn't booze available in a stadium, people will just, you know, front load it all as they're going in and that leads to bad situations. So I think from just a responsibility standpoint, um, I'm leaving students out of this, this topic, but from a responsibility standpoint, I think, um, it's better in that regard. Um, the issue with the off leash deck, which was the only place prior where you could buy alcohol, um, was that it was one location. So the lines were insanely long and you missed part of the third quarter. If you ever wanted to get some at halftime, um, the fact that it's now spread out throughout the stadium, I think will go a long ways. Um, as for reentry, I mean, I personally wouldn't leave a game uh, at halftime and not come back. So I can't, it's hard for me to relate. Will some people do that? Probably. But I think people will ultimately say, dang, you know, it was, it was cool to be able to go to our tailgate, drink on our own dime and then come back in and miss like half the third quarter. But I just can't do that now. I got to drink it in here. So ultimately my gut feel is this will be positive in both regards, but uh, frankly, we'll, we'll see come third quarter on Saturday um, what happens uh, with this, these policies. Yeah. And to be clear, I don't think this is a problem unique to Husky stadium. I think this is like how it goes with sports anywhere. Um, and, and especially in football is like, third quarter it's it's lean times and this is why coaches love uh to take the ball in the second half is because you're normally playing in a quieter stadium regardless um and that that's just a feature of of the game but uh i do think it it it, it can't hurt i don't think that they're going to have a bigger problem than than they had before with with this uh third quarter attendance issue Anyways, uh, some more things here. Masks will be required indoors, encouraged outdoors. We'll see how that goes. I was just at T-Mobile Park last Friday. That's the same policy there. Wasn't quite uh, followed to the letter of the law there. And um, I don't expect it to be at uh, Husky Stadium, but that is what's written down. There's also fully digital tickets and fully digital parking payment, which my dad is currently stressing about because that's a, that's a first for him. But uh, for us, us young bloods, that's nothing new for us. Uh, other things, celebs are sounding the siren before the game. So I think this will be, this will be something kind of akin to the 12th man flag raising that happens before every Seahawk game. They'll have, you know, hope solo or somebody, uh, it might just be hope solo every single game because she did, she did college game day. Uh, she will, or somebody will be sounding the siren, um, to kick the game off. There'll also be more pyrotechnics when the Huskies come onto the field, there'll be more firework blasts, more smoke. Uh, and then also there is new turf um, and new graphics along the walls, along the sides of Husky Stadium. So look out for all of those fun, fancy features of, of this new season. Awesome. I, I'm always for more, more pyrotechnics. So why not? <laughs> You've been advocating for, for more, more pyro since we started this. <laughs> every, every week in the pre-show meeting, it's like, God, we got to get more well, sulfuric acid in here. And it's like, we can't... The, it doesn't make any sense. No. Uh, but you got your wish. There we go. All right. <laughs> Letter I. <laughs> Letter I. Not even halfway um, through. Here we go. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, okay. We're going with in, inside linebacker depth, which is very oh, yes. thin. Uh, we obviously have uh, Edifon 
Eula Foscio and Jackson Sermon. They're the stalwarts at the inside linebacker positions. Um, you have MJ DeFisi returning in a uh, depth starting, at least he's going to be in the second down the two deeps. Um, he is somewhat locked into that position as well, but then it's kind of a toss up as who's who else can can shore up that depth. Uh, you lost Josh, Josh Calvert, uh, Mickey IU, and Will Latu. Daniel Haimuli has been dinged up in fall practice. So who are you left with? You're left with uh, walk-on Ben Hines, a true freshman Carson Bruner, uh, walk-on Drew Fowler. It really is kind of like a who's who. Um, I think some of these guys, Ben Hines and, and Carson Bruner, who um, have played well in fall practice, but just you know, no experience whatsoever, uh, in a game like setting. So, um, one, you really gotta, you, you really gotta hope that, um, Eula Foscio and Sermon can, uh, stay healthy, but then secondly, they're going to have to be, uh, relieved a bit, you know, to get a bre- breather mm-hmm. here. So, you know, who will that be? Um, probably Tafisi and then Hamuli if he's, if he's healthy, but if not, um, it's kind of, you know, take your pick. Yeah. Um, who is the, Linebacker from two years ago, there was just a, a lame duck out there that would get burned in coverage. Our guy, Kyler Manu. Kyler Manu, yes. Um, I think we're, we're, we're better than those days, but uh, this, is, this is akin to uh, the pass rush. This is something that has been a, a constant pain point for, for this Huskies team is not having guys who can uh, stay on the field because if they are on the field, they get picked on in the passing game. Uh, and if they are off the field, um, I don't know. I don't know what the cost is there, but that's, that's, that's the burn is that in the passing game, they get, they get torched. And that, that really didn't happen to Ilofosio as much as it did to Sermon last year. Um, I remember vividly in the Stanford game, he was getting picked on, on some wheel routes. Um, and I think that's just going to happen when it's like, what's your alternative. You're going to throw into this, this defensive backfield full of, you know, future uh, NFL players. No, thank you. I will, I will take my, my, uh, my chances downfield one-on-one with a linebacker. So the, to that, I propose to you, and this is this is my letter L. So we're we're talking about the same thing here: is linebackers not named Ed, Eddie Lafoscio? Oh. Um, my letter L, just talking about let's let's do the 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 only Eddie defensive setup. Eddie is the only linebacker, and then we just run with three or four down linemen, and then the rest are defensive backs. Um, because sure. okay, the, the the cost of that is. You are a little thinner in the if, if they if the, the other team runs the ball, okay, they plow through you for an extra yard or two. If you are the alternative is that you get burned in the passing game, and that's a thirty yard gain. And to me, I think that that um, you know that's kind of that husky defense that it was only reserved for playing the Cougars. Sometimes is that dime defense, and I, I think there's some value to it if you have the right guys playing a little closer to the box. Um, so that's something I hope that they try this year is just. Less in, in obvious passing situations, less of those not Ulafoshio linebackers. And and this could be why they listed 6'2, 220 Dom Hampton as the backup nickel, um, because he's bring some some size into the, the box there as well. Yeah, I mean potentially two, 220 is probably only 10 or 15 pounds away from from you know the, these days your average linebacker size. So, sure. um, well, you know, what's, what's the harm there? I'm, I'm totally down with that. I think that's where modern football is going to my J, uh, on, uh, our boy here, John Donovan, super love this guy. He was amazing last year. 
Um, hmm. No, he was he was a little disappointing and a little bit exactly what we worried about. A little bit too stodgy, a little bit too uh, run the damn ball, a little too a little too basic. I think um, in in his game planning, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I guess that it was a four game season, had to stay as um, you know kind of down the middle as possible. Um, but just just some some notes here from Bill Connolly about how much John Donovan's offense left on the table last year. Efficient, they were 25th in success rate, which means basically are you picking up enough enough yards on down? So like, you know, on first down, are you getting 50% of the way there? Um, on third, second down, 70% of the way there, third down converting. They were fifth in three and out rate. So, you know, staying on the field for long drives. Uh, Dylan Morris was efficient. They, you know, didn't have a lot of negative plays, but as Connolly says, it was also painfully predictable. You'd ever run 70% of the time on standard downs. So we're talking, you know, first, first and 10, um, second and 10, 13th most in the country through 71st, 5% of the time on passing down. So this is, this is what you don't want in offense. First and second down, you run third. And if you do get there, fourth down, you throw, I mean, that's, that is, you know, logical based off of down and distance, but that's exactly what the defense is prepared for. And that makes you easy to, to game plan for half the passes went to, to running backs and tight ends, big plays are minimal as was red zone creativity. So this is exactly what uh, John Donovan's offense looked like in 2015 at Penn state and got him fired last year. You and I were constantly pointing out slow starts uh, just the, the, like run it up the guts, uh, not a lot of creativity on early downs in, in you know, first and 10, halfback dive second and eight halfback dive like we just we got to be better than that refusal to throw it down the field i mean ty jones was there but not like just not getting the ball downfield but clearly was was a threat down there um, and then just refusal as you said earlier to get kate Otten involved two targets against stanford is just unacceptable so for me the fixes are pretty easy avoid those third downs throw on early downs do what good offenses do in the nfl throw on those early downs uh, more motion, as I said earlier, more play action. Um, all of those things are, are pretty easy. We know these things that that, that work um, on, a, on a general level. Do I have any indication that they'll actually happen? Not really. Um, and that's that that could lead to a lot of frustration this year. I just would love a season where we're not complaining about the offensive coordinator. I feel like yeah. that's it hasn't been since like maybe 2016 where we haven't been complaining about the offensive coordinator. What is Bush uh, Hamden that, doing? Right? Oh yeah. He's at Missouri. Yes. Yeah. But you know, really we need to get um, Jeff Tedford is, is really who the last, like, I mean, Jonathan Smith was the OC, but um, Jeff Tedford was really the guy. I think that made that click in 2016. So um, yeah, you, you listed pretty much everything that I, I, I mean, I agree with you hundred percent on what you said about John Donovan needs to be less predictable. Um, make it more interesting. Don't run on second and 10 every single time, you know, maybe actually pass it and, and decide to pass on, on a, a couple, you know, multiple downs instead of saving that for third down yep. um, key on your best players um, and maybe also throw down the field a bit more. So seems easy enough. Yeah. I mean, that, that was yeah. <laughs> just the, Again, low-hanging fruit is so frustrating. As as just us dumb idiot fans, we should not be able to pinpoint the the intricacies of this offense that are getting missed just from a play calling perspective. But uh, that's that's been a feature of of really the entire time we've been potting. Yeah. Uh, what do you got for letter K? Letter K is our our uh, our new guy George Klyavkov. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but he is the new Pac-12 commissioner. 
thankfully replacing <laughs> the just awful, um, as you know, from listeners of this podcast, uh, Larry Scott, who I'm assuming is living uh, retirement life of luxury in the Aria Skylofts. Larry Scott uh, is playing so much tennis, so much <laughs> tennis. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. He's at the um, U.S. Open right now. I guarantee it. <laughs> yep. In a, in a box at Arthur Ashe yeah. for sure. Um, for as far as Klayevkov goes, I don't really know a whole lot about him. He came from Direct TV, I believe. Um, I couldn't even tell you what role that he was in with Direct TV. Um, Direct TV, MGM. He was very much uh, MG, in... MGM. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yep. He MGM. My bad. Might have brokered some that... deals with Direct TV, but yeah, MGM yeah, yeah. in the the gambling arena is where where he comes from. Okay. Yep. Yep. Sorry. Not Direct TV. MGM. Um, and but I, I will say he's been refreshing the little that I've seen of him. He seems to be you know actually like a personable human being and seems to be pretty transparent about things. Um, I will say he wasn't very print, very transparent about this uh, quote unquote alliance that we have uh, made with the Big Ten and the ACC. But there has been some new details that have, that have come out related to that since the announcement, including the uh, desire to go to an eight game schedule uh, conference schedule that is and um, add a an extra non-conference game with one of those uh, teams from the Big Ten or from the ACC um, so I do like that route that he's going um, so I'm excited to see what other kind of uh, things he implements here um, make kind of pulling us hopefully out of the dark ages that the Pac-12 has been in for the last few years. Totally agree. I think the number one thing about Klyavkov is, yes, he comes from a, a foreign, you know, not, you know, not country, but he comes from a from a foreign, uh, not you know, the traditional route. He wasn't an athletic director. He wasn't a coach. Um, he wasn't in sports before this, and that certainly you know is maybe a little concerning. Of does he know what he's doing? However, it, you can't underestimate or undersell how little. Larry Scott was able to identify what the problems are and, and, and own up to, this is a problem. We're not doing this right. He was completely delusional the entire time of, 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 you know, how uh, football drives so much of this and you have to be competitive there um, and was completely willing to fall back on the Olympic sports. And that's just, that's, you're doing it backwards. The Olympic sports are always going to be good in the PAC 12 because of the talent you have there. And to say that you're doing fine everywhere else uh, is, is absolutely ludicrous. Glyavkov is totally aware that those things have to get better. And until proven otherwise, I will give him the benefit of the doubt because he is operating at least uh, in the right direction as, as opposed to Larry Scott. Now he's got to get out of um, those, those Walnut Hills, uh, you know, offices. He's got to oh, yeah. get rid of the Aria suite. He's got to do a lot of the things that Larry Scott uh, or undo a lot of those things. However, um, he understands that, that this matters and apparently not a big fan of signing contracts, but uh, that's, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Uh, like I said, I already had L covered with the linebackers things so that gets you back to letter M. Ooh, okay. So what do you got? Uh, I have Dylan Morris. Um, you know. I, again, I don't have a lot of stats to throw at you because last year just wasn't, didn't really matter. Um, mm -hmm. But I will say that he, from everything we've heard from fall camp, he seems to be like a completely uh, new, better, improved quarterback. I mean, Dylan Morris was by no means a bad quarterback last season. I think he did a lot of great things as a uh, freshman who had never started at this level before. Mm -hmm. um, but 
I think now you're seeing him take those strides. I believe he is, this is his third year in, in the program, even though he's still uh, listed as a redshirt freshman. Um, he seems to have a really great, strong connection with Cade Otten. Uh, and I keep hearing every day of fall camp, it's like another long reception, touchdown reception to Cade Otten, et cetera, et cetera. So the things that we were annoyed with last season in this offense, he seems to be uh, doing or solving in practice. So um, I frankly think he could have a, a huge year for us. Um, there's there's no reason to believe that he can't given all the reports out of fall camp. I think the biggest thing with Dylan Morris is that <laughs> there's been no nothing that it's going to be anybody but him. And that includes having a sure. uh, legacy five-star anointed quarterback on campus. And he That's did not, he wasn't able to make any noise. It was Dylan Morris's job that was basically strangle held throughout the entire off season. Um, and he held onto it and, you know, firmly. So and I think that's, that's great news. Um, if there was, you know, if here we were, and it was like, you remember Jake Browning's freshman year of like, Oh, we're going to have a surprise quarterback on the road against Boise state. Uh, and it ended up being Browning. If we were in that situation. Like, I don't know. That's not great. And, and yeah, it might be nice to have, you know, this anointed Sam Heward be leading us against Montana on Saturday for the storyline, but I'll take the consistency. I liked what I saw out of Morris last year. Dude um, has, an affinity for big plays. Um, and he's kind of, you know, he's ballsy. He can run. Um, you got to work on that touchdown field, but throws a tight spiral. Doesn't really make mistakes. I think there's a ton to like. And, uh, as you said, that was all basically his, his first ever season in college football in the weirdest season ever. And he was still successful. So, um, yeah, th- he really could be, um, a special guy and you know what, what that does for the future of the quarterback position in, in at UW, if that is the case, we'll cross that bridge because uh, having a great quarterback, you know, is, is you cannot look a gift horse in the mouth and, and um, but I th- you know, there's a lot of optimism to think that we could get there. Yeah. I think he only just needs to get rid of the trace McSorley home run celebration. <laughs> I'm all. On yeah. That. Yeah. He <laughs> definitely loves trace McSorley. Um, it's kind of like how it's very obvious that Jared Kellenick loves Bryce Harper um, and, and that, that, that plays out, but yeah. Uh, they they are eerily similar the way they play uh, with, yeah. with Morris and McSorley. Um, so he must have grown up a Husky fan and, and watched that Fiesta Bowl and was just like, dude, this is the guy. Um, no, he's just a big John Donovan fan. That's, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. <laughs> All roads lead back to John Don. I think John Don was out by the time we played Penn State. Uh, okay. Um, okay. Hence them, you know, moving the ball and, and those types oh, of yeah. things. Scoring. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, my N here is NIL, which seems stands for name, image, image and likeness. And this will be very brief because to my knowledge, I really don't know of any uh, Huskies that have signed NIL deals. Um, that's certainly possible that they're doing it. It's just kind of all under cover of darkness, but this is a thing now. I mean, guys can sign deals with organizations so they can get paid um, for sponsorships for appearances to run camps uh, all of this is possible um, I think this kind of uh, there was one recruit that uh, signed with University of Washington and then specifically cited um, or not signed but recently committed signing or citing the Nil possibilities that's all great but um, you know <laughs> a day removed from Ohio state's freshman quarterback signing a $1.4 million deal with, with some company. That is not the situation here, at least to date uh, with the university of Washington. However, Trent McDuffie is available on cameo. What do you think Trent McDuffie's really, price, what do you think Trent McDuffie's uh, going rate on cameo is? Oh man. I have no idea. Like 50 bucks. 
Okay, Taylor Rapp is 35. I'll just put it in, in context oh, wow. there. So like 20, 15? Well, that would make sense, right? Trent McDuffie yeah. is available for $100 on Cameo. What? <laughs> so what while athletes can sign deals, they cannot accurately price their their commodities. Uh, but that's that's it. I couldn't find anybody else on on uh, t- on Cameo who's available. So um, I really tried to find Tyrone Willingham on Cameo because oh wow, getting we need to, a great cat. Getting yep. him to get the great cat uh, thing might be the, our only chance of ever getting that audio, but. Uh, that's, that's <laughs> the lost tapes. <laughs> yeah. That's all we got. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of it. I mean, nobody has a Dick sponsorship or anything like that to my knowledge, um, which I think is a, a missed opportunity there, but who knows? Um, uh, it's, it's kind of hard to, to, as an organization or, you know, give money to college kids who you've really never seen play because last season was such a joke. So we'll see. But Kate, Kate Otten, I mean, come on, like Burgermaster can't, can't hook this guy up. Oh man, that'd be great. Yeah. It seems ready-made. Yeah. Agreed. Chipotle. Yeah. Um, there's a million places in the app that could feed Kate out. Um, but yeah. But memos who would, who would get memos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whoever gets memos is not a player I want to trust, um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, anyways, letter O to letter you. O. All right. Uh, letter O is it's for offensive line, uh, mm-hmm. potentially the best unit on this team. Uh, Lake echoed those. Jimmy Lake echoed those comments uh, in his weekly press conference earlier this week. Um, you have the returning, uh, the returners of Jackson Kirkland, um, Luke Wattenberg, Henry, Henry Bainavalu, Victor Kern. Um, you also have Ulamu Ale, who's returning, but he's been unseated right now. Um, Julius Buelo is the starter, I believe, listed at left guard. Mm-hmm. Um, so. So what that tells me is there's also some good depth in this team, uh, in this unit. Uh, Corey Luciano is also there. There's been a lot of shuffling of positions. A lot of these guys have played multiple multiple positions along the line. Nate Kalepo is another name. Um, so I think this is something you can really lean on. Um, and frankly, you know, we know what the trenches do on both sides of the ball. So having one of your, if not your best unit, be the offensive line is something you have to love about this offense. You've seen Corsi, Corey Luciano. That's a that's a sorted name for us. Do you remember why? Uh, I don't remember why. He played tight end a bit, I think. But... Yes, he sure did, and he was a tight end uh, when we played Cal in the Lightning. Oh, the offsides or <laughs> yeah, the false Some, yeah the false, the false start. start. Yes, false start to end a drive, um, or I think the Huskies were about to go for it on fourth, fourth and, and one, one and on the goal got, line. He got a false start, and now he doesn't even play tight end anymore. Um, so good. <laughs> Good on you, Corey. Um, hopefully you can avenge yourself at some point. Um, yeah, o- O-line is, is huge. I'll talk about Jackson Kirkland just for a little bit later because he is kind of the, the anchor of the group. Uh, but to letter P for me, the rest of the Pac-12 um, is what I'll be talking about. As mentioned, USC and Oregon are also supposed to be basically just as good as the Huskies are this year, um, followed by Utah, then ASU, UCLA, Wazoo, Cal, Stanford, and then Colorado, Colorado followed by um, Oregon State and Arizona are also in there. The good news is that UW avoids USC and Utah and gets the other top five schools that I just listed um, in terms of conference standings all at home, um, which is pretty crazy that the schedule broke that way for for the Huskies this year. I would say let's organize the conference into quarterback halves and quarterback have-nots, and the halves are guys who have returning production in college football. USC has Keaton Slovis, who really – 
if all things go well, could be like a top five pick in this NFL draft. Uh, ASU has Jaden Daniels, who looked uh, very good at times in his in his limited uh, production so far. UCLA has Dorian Thompson Robinson, who is an enigma, but uh, has shown certainly shown flashes of, of great success. UW's got Dylan Morris. Oregon State received a transfer from Colorado. Sam Neuer, who was their quarterback all of last year, uh, will be their quarterback this year, will be Oregon State's quarterback this year. Oregon's got Anthony Brown, who came up uh, from my neck of the woods, Boston College. He'll be their quarterback this year. Uh, And then Utah has Charlie Brewer, who is Baylor's starting quarterback. So uh, three transfer quarterbacks making, um, will figure to make big impacts for their teams this year. Then the have-nots, Colorado, uh, they have Brendan Lewis, who looked great in the Texas Bowl game, but really hasn't played much. Arizona doesn't really have a quarterback. Stanford uh, lost Davis Mills. They don't have a quarterback. Good riddance, Davis Mills. Uh, Wazoo is also TBD as well. Just to put a bow on the Pac-12, November 6th is a huge day in the conference because Oregon plays at University of Washington that day, and USC plays at uh, ASU in that game. So basically one and two in the North and one and two in the, in the South, in terms of preseason standings play each other on the same day in the conference could be a big day for moving and shaking. Um, and, uh, can't wait for, for 11, six. And I think that certainly feels like the day the Huskies will be unveiling their 1991 throwback jerseys that were just released yesterday. Um, or maybe Monday, I feel like, uh, the stars aligned for that one. That would be cool. That would be very cool, especially given Oregon will probably have some weird crap to throw <laughs> on that day too. So yes. ours will be much better no matter what. Yeah, the Oregon um, Oregon Ducks will be wearing swim trunks, but uh, we'll be we'll be in a respectable uh, kit, if you will. Yeah, nice. <laughs> um, what are we on? Q. Yeah. Q and on. Right. Let's go. Q. Oh, uh, Q. This is a bit of a rogue one here, but uh, and there, there were, I couldn't really think of much with Q. So I went with uh, backup tight end Quentin Moore, um, who is actually listed in the two deeps. Uh, we list two tight ends as a starter, Kate Otten, and then actually three, Kate Otten as, at one position, and then Jack Westover or Devin Culp in the other. The, the reason why I want to list or mention Quentin Moore is uh, – He's a JUCO transfer, originally from Inglemore High School, 6'5", 245. Uh, he was a top rated, top 10 rated JUCO player in the in the 247 database in the 2021 rankings. So uh, definitely uh, regarded pretty highly from that level. Um, I think I think there's a lot of reps uh, after Kate Otten to be kind of passed around, even though Westover and Culp are listed as starters. So um, up player that will play this year is Quentin Moore. So just, I kind of want to make his name known because I feel like a lot of people probably haven't heard his name yet. Yeah. Westover Culp and Moore, I think are all guys who could contribute and could probably start at tight end um, in, in the conference, but you know, Kate Odden it being who he is blocks those guys from playing. Uh, but I'm excited about all of them. The coaches seem to love Jack Westover uh, made an impact a little bit last year, uh, kind of as like a fullback H back kind of player. Um, we'll see how his role expands this year, but Culp can certainly stretch the field down downfield. Uh, can he catch the ball on fourth down? Um, that's to be determined uh, as we found out against Utah a couple years ago. Uh, and then as you say, Quentin Moore is, is a, is a spicy talent there. Letter R returning production uh, Huskies uh, in Bill Connolly's uh, metrics for 
what they returned back on this year from last year, 15th overall in that metric, seventh on offense. So as mentioned, that kind of explains why the Huskies are predicted to perform so well uh, in Bill's metrics is that they have so much returning production on offense, 61st on defense. So despite all the talent there, uh, they did lose a lot. Uh, they are one of six Pac-12 teams in the top 15 in returning production. So lots of teams that are in there with them as well. Um, and they return the entire offensive line. As you said, they are missing Puka Nakua and Ty Jones. And then on defense, they are losing uh, Elijah Molden and Keith Taylor. They're, they're number one and two quarterbacks and Josiah Bronson. So those guys were all very important players. Interesting note about returning production is that it might not matter as much this year because everybody has returning production uh, with the extra year of eligibility. Freshmen stay freshmen, sophomores stay sophomores. Um, so last year, the leading team in terms of the, of the amount of production they returned from the year before led with 84%. That was Northwestern. This year, 96% is the leader. And there are 11 teams that have more returning production than Northwestern did last year. What does that all mean? Well, you know, returning production does not mean wins. Northwestern did not win the college football playoff last year, but they were very good. Um, and it's certainly better to have, um, you know, a lot of the guys that uh, were, were there last year uh, to go back because, you know, you figure those guys get better year over year. So obviously a good thing for the Huskies to be near the top here um, to have a number of returning production that is, uh, you know, right there on pace with what uh, would have led the country last year. Uh, and I think, I think I saw a number, like we have six seniors on the team and that's it. I, I don't know how these numbers are going to shake out when no. we add freshmen to, you know, to this team, to this roster in coming seasons. I got to, I mean, there's going to be some players that just leave early, whether that be a K dot of the world or other, you know, maybe a Trent McDuffie, something like that. But then I think, I frankly think you're going to have some situations where it are coaches are basically going to be like as nice as they can kind of pushing some kids out the door. Yes. I, otherwise I don't know how you get down to 85 scholarship athletes. So um, really, really interesting times for uh, college sports, especially football with the sheer numbers on a football team. Uh, yeah. It to feels figure out how that's going to work. It feels like they're just like, yeah, we'll figure it out later. Like, let's just, you know, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's, let's preserve as much as we could from last year. And, and this will be somebody else's problem. Letter S, what do you got? Uh, we kind of already touched on it. I had schedule. So uh, I was just going to note that we kind of get everybody that you'd want to play against at home at home. And um, you miss USC and Utah, like you mentioned, Apple Cups at home as well. Um, even though the Cougars aren't supposed to be very good this year, it's always fun to and, and probably best to have a rivalry game at home because mm -hmm. weird stuff can happen. Uh, frankly, the only tough, really tough game on the road is, I mean, other than Stanford, I guess, is uh, Michigan, wow. which, which I think, I think, you know, if all bets are, off i would choose us over michigan just on paper i feel like we're a better team but you know that's a big stadium to go into and win on the road so um it'll be tough nonetheless but i think overall it's really uh, an appealing schedule for us yeah you said it weird things can happen in rivalry games on the road including uh, a game having to be you know completely canceled due to snow sure and, and the results oh yeah the results thrown out um and and you know totally ineligible it, yeah it sucks but it it, it does happen yeah, 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 very good point. Uh, letter T, transfers. We already talked about Giles Jackson, and there are two more um, guys, I think really only two more total, but two more guys that for sure there will be impact players in this year that are listed in bold type as the uh, starters on the depth chart. 
One of them is Jalen Polk, who will wear number 12 this year. He is listed as a starting receiver, 6'2", freshman from uh, Texas Tech. He played on Texas Tech last year. Friends with 2021 Husky signee Caleb Berry, who's also from Texas. Jalen Polk is uh, from a long line of successful Polks in uh, Husky football history. Um, Jordan Polk, the dynamo return guy who never really did anything. But then Chris Polk, who did an awful lot um, and uh, no relation there as far as I know. But anyways, Jalen Polk is tall. He's lanky. He is fast. Uh, most of the high school tape that I watched, the three minutes and 40 seconds of tape grinding that I was able to accomplish this morning, uh, is him going up the sideline and playing on the outside. So I expect him to kind of play a role similar to what Ty Jones um, did and maybe should have done more of last year of just making plays downfield. Jimmy Lake had crazy praise. I've never seen him really talk about an athlete as much as he did earlier this week about uh, Polk's work ethic, determination, uh, how much he retains information. So, um, you know, talent is there and he certainly made a great impression on the coaching staff. Um, but also, um, yeah, I mean, I think he's, he's earned everything he's got and we'll see how he performs. Giles Jackson, we talked about Buki Radley Hines is the last guy. It's not Buki, it's Buki. Uh, his full name is Brendan Radley Hines, but he goes by Buki. He'll Hiles. wear number Yes. I, I always say Heinz. It feels like Heinz should be the thing. I've never seen anyone. Not to put you on the spot there, but yeah, well, you will be fixing my pronunciations a little bit later too. So yeah. might as well get started. <laughs> number 44 here for, um, for the Huskies. He wore number 44 for three years, at Oklahoma, where he was a former top 20 recruit in high school, a very important part of this Oklahoma defense the last three years transferred to the Huskies this year. Will play, I would assume, based off of what I saw, he played the last two years at Oklahoma playing a lot of nickel. I would assume that's exactly what he's going to do this year. Uh, don't make this complicated, although he, ha- he does have experience playing safety. He is short. He is not very tall, so not really a guy you want covering very much down the field because he could get burned in that regard. Uh, but towards the line of scrimmage, he is very aggressive, um, active hands. He is you know hard to, to screen, hard to block, kind of like Miles Bryant was a few years ago for the Huskies, um, where he was just everywhere. You could not run a screen on him because he is getting under that block and he's getting to the tackle. Um, so I'm excited to watch this guy play. He's, he's very dynamic. Um, but I, I, you know, there's not much to be desired here in the way of coverage with him, um, or there is a lot to be desired, but I just don't expect them to put him in coverage situations a whole lot. It's kind of, it's kind of weird getting a transfer from Oklahoma Yeah, and getting a transfer from, um, who, who pl- well, we, we literally got a, a transfer from Oklahoma a couple of years ago. Do you remember that the receiver that never uh, played at all? Uh, I don't actually. Yeah. We, I don't even remember his name. Um, I don't either clearly. Um, but it's, it's, we've gotten several big 12. I mean, Jeremiah Martin is another uh, outside linebacker that you didn't mention in this, on this mm-hmm. letter, but he's true from Texas A&M. You have, uh, Jalen Polk, who's from Texas tech. Uh, that being said, both Martin and Radley Hiles, um, and I believe Giles Jackson actually are all from California. So this mm-hmm. is kind of yep. like back to the West coast. So, and when you put it in that context, it's not as weird, but it's, you know, getting, getting recruits from Michigan or uh, transfers from Michigan, Oklahoma, A&M, Texas tech, kind of strange. Um, 
you know, but again, this is the reality that we're living in. People transfer much more now and can do it and play immediately when they do so. KJ Young was that uh, that receiver oh, from Oklahoma yeah. that just, just yeah. never played. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we're seeing it on the basketball side too of all those guys. They're not from Washington in this case. Well, in that case, they are from Washington who played elsewhere and then are coming back. Um, but yeah. in this case, it's it's all the California guys. So I think this is just a real part of, of college football. I mean, I was looking at a bunch of rosters earlier today and there's a column um, on most of them that say previous school. Um, and it's, it's not talking about their high school. It's talking about where they transferred from. And that's, this is just, you know, as, as the transfer rules get more or less restrictive and you don't have to sit out a year and you can kind of pick and choose the, the right situation for you. This is, this is just how it goes. And in a lot of ways, it's almost preferable to, to, um, you know, it's a freshman recruiting because they can play right away and they have experience. So, um, yeah, I mean, good, good on the Huskies for, for integrating these guys. Agreed. What are you now? You. Okay. Uh, Eddie, you Um, Mm -hmm. we've, we've spoken about him a bit here uh, already in the middle linebacker discussion. Um, but you know, arguably the best player on defense behind maybe, I don't know, Trent McDuffie, um, so he does it all. He, he, he racks up tackles, you know, all 52, 53 and a half yards, whatever it is, sideline to sideline he covers. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, uh, what more can you say about this guy uh, from Alaska was a walk on uh, has earned a scholarship, obviously. Um, I think, I think he was like led the conference or was one of the top tacklers in the entire conference last year. Um, he, everything goes through this guy on our defense. Um, so yeah, he's, he's definitely someone to keep an eye on this season to no surprise. Um, what else can you say about him? Thank God for him, because if it, yeah. was, if it was, if he wasn't on the roster, I don't know what the hell they would do at linebacker, um, because yeah. he just does everything. And it, it's kind of like exactly what, you know, Keyshawn Bieria was this player, but Ulufoshio is better. He's, he's faster. Yeah. He's, he's, um, you know, he covers more lateral ground he i think he's asked to do more so yeah he's he's a fantastic player one of my favorite guys that i've seen play um and just a great story for for what he's able to overcome hilarious that you know they have not been able to recruit a linebacker to do this and the guy that they did get was a walk-on but yeah um, we'll, we'll, we will take it um yeah eddie number 48 i mean he's he's gonna end up with double digit tackles every single game for sure. And one thing you got to love is Jimmy Lake has noted. He's the first guy in the building every morning, uh, him and actually transfer Jordan Pol- or Jalen Polk uh, yep. are the, are the t- two guys that Jimmy Lake noted. So that's uh that's always something that's, that's good to hear. Ulufoshio is a guy I could easily see being like a pro bowl linebacker. He reminds me a lot of, he's not sure. as explosive, but Levante David um, from, from Nebraska, just in on everything, super aggressive, uh, very skilled, very good, good eyes. Um, that type of impact player. And, and he, I mean, for, for, like you said, as good as McDuffie is, as good as the defensive backfield is, I don't think that this defense would work as well uh, without him. So thank God for, for, for Eddie <laughs> to V this will be very quick. I have Vegas and what Vegas says about uh, what the Huskies are going to do this year. They have us at over under nine wins, nine flat, not nine and a half, not eight and a half, nine on the dot. Um, as mentioned, Bill Connolly had us at 9.3. So that, that, that adds up. Uh, Oregon and ASU are also slated for nine wins, USC at eight and a half and UCLA at seven uh, to go through the conference there. Uh, Oregon is plus 250 to win the conference. UW is plus 350. USC is plus 400 and ASU is plus 450. That'd be to win the Pac-12 championship game there. Um, so basically, 
you know, Vegas is saying, Bill Connolly is saying, UW, Oregon, USC, ASU are all in a very similar class, um, and uh, it should be a fun kind of four-game round robin between those four game, four teams. Nice. Uh, w, wide w. receivers. Yep. Uh, we lost a lot of guys here. Uh, Puka Nakua, Ty Jones, Austin Osborne, Marquis Spiker, Jordan Chin. But uh, like we mentioned, we gained Jalen Polk from Texas Tech, Giles Jackson from Michigan, uh, Jabez Tenai from Kennedy High School here in Seattle. Uh, you also return Terrell Bynum, Rona, Roma Dunze, Jalen McMillan, although he's currently hurt. He had surgery on either his hand or wrist. Uh, so TBD on how long he will be out. But if he um, is healthy, he is one of the starters at wide receiver. I think they even listed him as a starter on the depth chart. Or no, he, I guess he's on the second string, but it's like he definitely won't be playing this week. Um, then you have a guy, Taj Davis, who's made a lot of noise this uh, fall camp, someone to keep an eye on. Um, he's a redshirt freshman out of Chino, California, 6'1", 195. And then you have uh, a local kid, uh, somewhat local, Sawyer Racanelli, who I believe came out of Battleground High School. If I'm, I'm just pulling that off the top of my head, but uh, in Southern Washington um, was really highly uh highly re touted in high school. Um, so he will be making, I believe he's uh, yep. True Fred. Oh, brush Prairie, Washington. Maybe that's Haw Hawkinson high, high school. Hawkinson. Okay. Try and there find was a B there. It was two words and it was a B brush Prairie. Try so. and find that Hawkinson high school logo on the, the Seahawks wall of high school. Uh, oh yeah. No, no clue. It might no be one way. of those new high schools that like, kind of like the one in Bothell North shore high school. It's just as like now a thing. Don't know. Um, about no that idea. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of transition in the wide receiver room, but um, there's a lot of talent, young talent. But uh, I think it helps that you have a Kate Otten that is giving you that you know steady, reliable option in the in the receiving game uh, to help blood in these new players. Yeah, I think the name in there to really highlight because he probably should have got his own letter for how good he is, and that's Terrell Bynum. Um, Bynum was a guy that Lauren Kirschman, a former Tacoma News Tribune reporter, told me, look out for this guy as a player to watch two years ago in the Jacob Eason season. And uh, he kind of came on towards the end of that season and was the Huskies' most reliable wide receiver last year um, and is certainly to take a role, a bigger role even this year. Seems to be a very dependable guy. He's not, you know, blow you away with athleticism, but runs really good routes, has great hands. Like I said, they get involved, him involved in the run game. Um, love Terrell Bynum. He might be one of my favorite players on this team, uh, but uh, he's probably the definite leader of that group. And then a lot of, you know, promise, but we shall see with Adunze and uh, Polk and, and Davis and Rockinelli and all those guys you mentioned. To X, uh, the only X that I could find here, Jackson Kirkland, just taking the X out of his name. We already talked about him. He and Otten are the only preseason AP or uh, all Pac-12 first teamers on uh, on the offensive side of the ball for the Huskies. So yeah, Jackson Kirkland, just to give him his own thing here. Um, he's He's fantastic. Um, but he is good. Yes. It could be the best left tackle that we've had <laughs> in a very long time. Letter Y, what do you got? All right. This one is a bit of a stretch, um, as as you can probably tell. Y is a tough one to come across here. Uh, and this one is a bit bit odd, too, for a Husky podcast. But I have Ryan Leaf, mm. um, just because he uh, spoke at one of the previous or recent team uh, meetings 
And he also uh, even wore a Husky shirt, which I thought was pretty crazy. And then even crazier, he chose in his preseason rankings or preseason predictions uh, for the Huskies to go 12 and 0. So obviously he's very high on the Huskies this season. I don't think we will go 12 and 0. I don't even think we'll go 11 and 1. But I appreciate his uh, enthusiasm and positive energy towards the Huskies, which is one of the last people I would think uh, you'd be getting that from just given his Cougar connections. So uh, thank you, Ryan. Yeah, there's a big, uh, big Ryan Leaf piece that Mike Varell wrote today that I have yet to read, but I'm excited to to maybe get his insight as to why he likes the Huskies so much. Um, letter Z, this is should be obvious here. Zion Tupuo Lafatui. Tupuola Fatui. I wrote out the syllables. I didn't put them all together. Uh, ZTF. Um, he burst onto the scene last year, seven sacks and three forced fumbles in just four games. Honestly, had never seen a player like that uh, it performed that that well um, for the Huskies. It was just in a different class from other guys, just utterly unblockable um, and was seemingly on his trajectory to uh, be a stud this year and be an early round or early draft pick in the NFL. But in mid-April, ruptured his Achilles, um, and that led him to a six- to ten-month recovery timeline. Um, figured that's probably it. We're not going to see him this year. And then on August 6th, out of nowhere, Jimmy Lake said, Zion, who I'm sure you saw out there, is way ahead of schedule. You will for sure be seeing the field in 2021. Uh, we knew he was going to attack his rehab, and he, he is way ahead of where our doctors thought he was going to be. So we're excited about that. How? How the hell did this happen where, where we're in a situation where Zion is going to play? Uh, I reached out to our good friend, Dr. Jordan Coots, and he is a doctor. He's a licensed physical therapist. Uh, six would be on the very fast end, according to Dr. Coots. However, or he did say it'd be more like eight to 12 months is more normal for ruptured Achilles. But uh, what Dr. C was able to say is that if the recovery is going smoothly at the three to five month recovery timeline, uh, that would be a big indication that this is going to be a quicker recovery. And so that seems to be what we're dealing with here is that Huskies got very good news. Things were going well early and that led them to believe that uh, six months was possible for, um, for Zion's recovery there. He did say also that six months is usually when a player can begin field work. So uh, six months would probably put him exactly at October, mid-October. Um, so six and a half is probably more realistic to see uh, when Zion would show up, which would be late October, early November for the folks calculated at home in time for the Oregon game. <laughs> Cause that's what the, it all comes down to that. That's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> so that, I mean, that's good insight. And I think that helps make sense because it was like, is Jimmy Lake just totally bullshitting us here, but yeah. there's, there's some realistic possibility that what he's talking about is, is actually true. So we'll take that. We've, Hey, we've, we've made it. That was Z. <laughs> that was Z. My <laughs> jaw hurts. Uh, but uh, that's, that's what happens when you don't get to talk about this for, for, you know, almost a full year. Uh, I will get you a quick reprieve here as I burst through a very quick preview on our Saturday opponent, the Montana Grizzlies uh, head coach, Bobby Hawk was actually the DB's coach on at UW on the O one Rose bowl team. Do you know that? I did not know that. No. They are number nine in the preseason FCS poll, a perennial, um, very good team in, in the FCS standings. Montana against FBS opponents has three wins against Idaho. They used to beat Idaho's ass up one side and down the other back when <laughs> Idaho was actually in FBS. It's not the case Poor anymore. Idaho. 
But the, the Grizzlies also beat Mon- or Oregon State in 1996 and 1990. So that's their only FBS Power 5 wins that I can find, at least, um, that, they've, that they've had, have not done one in 25 years since beating Oregon State. Uh, their defense, they play a lot of amoeba fronts, according to, to John Donovan. So moving guys around, um, you know, a lot of pre-snap stuff uh, to kind of confuse people. They have a guy named Sammy Akem, who is their 6'4 receiver, one of their best offensive players, almost went for a thousand yards a couple of years ago. Their other receivers go 6'1", 6'6", 6'2". So again, uh, don't think we'll see Brendan Raleigh-Hiles in a lot of coverage situations against this team in particular. Their quarterback, Cam Humphrey. Do you know where Cam Humphrey went to high school? Somewhere local. Pretty, pretty in the backyard for us. <laughs> I, I have no idea. Issaquah High School. No way. <laughs> Never yeah. even heard of the kid. Cam Humphrey was the quarterback for like 2015 team um, that wow. uh, made it, I think, to the quarters in states, I guess. Uh, he is 5-0 and as a starter at, at uh, Montana, 3-0 and at the end of the 2019 season, 2-0 in the abbreviated season that they had last year. So, um, yeah, Issaquah guy, uh, he's, he's kind of like kind of what we expected Kevin Thompson to be last year, just, you know, kind of a baller, runs a lot. Um, can make plays downfield. So uh, we'll see. But um, uh, Jason Kirk, our, our, our uh, you know, one of our f- friends at uh, Shutdown Fullcast did um, kind of predict the Huskies to lose this game. So if, nice. if it happens, it'll be at the hand of, of a fellow alum. Nice. I think one thing to note here is just we thought our season was weird playing only four games last season. Montana played two, uh, one of which included a uh, game against Big Sky opponent Portland State that was not counted as a conference game even. So uh, they went 2-0 and beat Central Washington 59-3 and Portland State 48-7. So they took care of business in their brief two-game schedule. And it happened in the spring because uh, yes. yeah, uh, the FCS did their, did their thing in the spring. So that's it on Montana. Uh, now a quick segment here about the best names in college football. Um, oh, we, yeah. we kept this to University of Washington and a little bit of Montana here, uh, but you and I have a particular fondness for uh, the weird names that are out there on the rosters of college football teams uh, across the country. And, uh, you know, anytime you and I find different ones, we, we, they're different funny ones. We send them to each other. So I'll let you go first. What are your top five names uh, in this this college football season, there, there may be some overlap here, so I have a few extras just in case. Okay. But, um, frankly, my favorite name has been like this for years is is Iowa State kicker Connor Ass Alley. Um, <laughs> he's still uh, around. Fun, <laughs> he's still around. He's a redshirt senior. Fun fact about uh, Mr. Ass Alley: he's been a Big Twelve second team academic all our all academic player for the last three seasons. So hopefully he can uh, inch his way up to the first team. Uh, this year, but uh, yeah, yeah, hit, you gotta hit, love hit the books, ass alley. <laughs> uh, secondly, uh, Caleb, our buddy Caleb, uh, is a huge fan of this one, but uh, defensive back at LSU, Pig Cage, uh, first name. <laughs> that, that, that's the best one. I'm <laughs> sorry, and and I could not find his actual name. <laughs> I went on it, I went on his player page and everything. Um, that one is incredible to me. Um, another favorite of mine is running back at Baylor, Craig Squirrel Williams, but Squirrel is spelled S-Q-W-I-R-L. Uh, beautiful. <laughs> and then uh, and then lastly, uh, this one's kind of interesting. Um, you have defensive end at Ole Miss, Damon Clowney, but it's uh, spelled Demon, D-E-M-O-N. And so he's, the demon, cousin- he's, the, 
He's the demon, demon Clowney. Clowney. He is a cousin of Jadavion Clowney. Of course. So, yeah. So those are, I don't know. Did I, I think I just got, did I say, no, that was only four. Um, we'll, we'll give one, we'll, we'll, we'll save the last one for, um, someone in the pack 12 offensive lineman at Cal gentle Williams. I think that's a very nice name for a, probably a massive offensive lineman, um, who is definitely not gentle. So there, those are my five. There are two that I, I kind of left to you that I thought you had, but, um, that's fine. One is yeah. the cornerback the at North Carolina storm duck. Um, that's, that's a wonderful name. Just super glad he did not go to Oregon. Yeah. And then, uh, the other one is the safety at San Diego state, New Zealand Williams, um, who <laughs> these are just, they sound fake. I have a bunch of these and I really only looked at like five <laughs> rosters, but they delivered so well. I went to Louisiana tech first. I don't know why. I just had a feeling that nice. they would have some good stuff for me. They have two receivers, one named smoke Harris and another one named bub means. Um, so thank you. Nice. Thank you. Louisiana tech. UMass, um, I have three UMass players, one Vixero Olabwede, Cletus Mathurin, both of those guys are defensive linemen, and then their punter, George Georgiopoulos is the punter for for (laughs) UMass. To Rutgers we go. Uh, Rutgers has a kicker named Valentino Ambrosio, which is so Rutgers it hurts. Uh, They have two offensive linemen, one is named Kamar Missouri, the other one this is my favorite <laughs> Terrence Salami. <laughs> this is on Rutgers, right? Yes. Rutgers oh, has a player named Terrence Salami. Uh, uh, no, no word if they have a guy named uh, George Capicola or anything like that on, on the <laughs> roster as well, but just the cold cuts on them. Nico Soprasada. Yeah. Uh, Wisconsin has a player named Tatum grass, which is also very Wisconsin. Uh, University of Texas, San Antonio has a player named Eddie Lee. That's his first name, Eddie Lee, Super Texas, uh, Marburger. Um, and then that's kind of it. The Juice Scruggs at Penn State, Jeff T. Joseph, Jeff, not Jeffrey, Jeff T. Joseph at FAU. And then uh, Syracuse is a linebacker named Marlo Wax. Um, those, are the, those aren't weird names. Those are just good names, I think. Um, there's there's also Cool Aid McKinstry, DCB yes. <laughs> at Alabama, who actually has now uh, – uh, established a deal with Kool-Aid, the drink. Of course uh, he has. NLI or whatever. Yeah, NIL. So um, that that is pretty exciting for him. That kid's just hustling. I mean, it's yeah. everything's on the table. That is, yeah. your name is literally up for sale now. Um, and and that's that's America. Here we are. Wonder, I wonder if Craig Squirrel Williams can uh, kind of dive into the squirrel market somehow in that regard. I think pig pig cage and oh, Terrence pig cage. pig cage and Terrence Salami are are my favorite here. Um, if <laughs> if nothing else, because their names are connected, pig and salami. Um, pig pig salami would be would be peak college football, but but we can only get get so far. Um, good stuff. Um, really a good crop this year, and we haven't even played the BYU name game, which we will play no. at some point this year uh, when BYU thinks that they are a playoff team, and we'll we'll talk about it. Nice. Last two segments. These are features. If you haven't been with us before, we've done these the whole time that we've been doing this. Uh, the first one is our great cat of the week. And now to, to just give you an explainer, if you've never been with us or you just need it from last year, great cat is in reference to uh, famed and aforementioned Husky football coach, Tyrone Willingham, one of the greatest, uh, most successful coaches in program history, um, who had a very odd 
meet relationship with the media. Uh, one morning on Mission in the Morning, um, the old radio show on 950 KJR in Seattle, uh, was talking to Mitch about um, kind of just life. And I think Mitch asked him something like, how, how do you get through the days? Like, you know, what helps you kind of cope and, you know, just like chill out. And Tyrone Willingham's response was, well, we have a great cat. And uh, it's haunted me that I can't get a hold of this audio for so long. And I want to have Mitch Levy on this story or on this podcast to tell the story of that interview, because I know it uh, dumbfounded him as well. And so we have dubbed this segment, Great Cat, to go to somebody or something that deserves it. Usually Larry Scott, um, but he's no longer yeah. with us to just had a very bad week or a very bad period of time in between podcasts. So who is your great cat of uh, this only uh, or our kind of pod? era um to kick things off uh this one's kind of a bummer and a bit random it's but uh ben burkervin's season ending injury for the seahawks a couple yeah, weeks ago sucked um yeah i mean i just love ben burkervin that, that guy has more uh, higher motor than pretty much anybody i've ever seen on a football field so um that was a bummer so he is an easy great cat selection for me yeah i got that uh mine is all of the adults all of them involved in the Bishop Sycamore disaster. Oh um, yeah. You are, you are dumb. You are mean. You are terrible. Uh, if you are a big Bishop Sycamore coach trying to profit off of these players that you're selling false promises on, if you are an executive that allowed this game to happen or allowed this whole thing to happen, uh, you're just, you're, you're lost. And I, I, you're, yeah. you're everything that's bad in the world. So Bishop Sycamore, um, as funny as that story is a lot, of, a lot of sad in there too. Any, any other kitties this week? Nope. I just had that. Yeah. Same. Uh, not, a, not a lot. We'll just have to let our offense get going and I'm sure we'll uncover plenty of things. Sure. Uh, or, yeah. you know, refs, refs are a frequent, frequent uh, victim of, of the great cat distinction, but lots of possibilities yeah. there. The last one here is our OKG of the offseason. So yes, this is OKP, our kind of pod. This is uh, OKG, um, the Chris Peterson moniker that he would bestow upon um, guys who just fit the bill, who, you know, didn't cause problems and did things the right way. Um, it's not always the same criteria we use when we hand out this award, but somebody who had a very good week um, or something. Uh, so the OKG of the offseason goes to who for you? Uh, I didn't know this was offseason related, so mine is not very you know, related to that, but it's that top works. of mind because it came out yesterday. Uh, it's the 1981 Adidas home uniforms that will ah. hopefully or we'll see at some point this season. So, um, yeah, those are really awesome. And I'm probably going to spend some money on some uh, 1991 Adidas gear that will come out in the next uh, month or two, which is dumb because I've just spent a lot of money on home field apparel UW stuff. So one thing I, okay, my, my OKG is home field apparel um, for, for nice considering us as uh, you know, they, they did their great big new Saturday tour, um, you know, going from places like Georgia and Alabama and Florida and Texas and Notre Dame. And then they do little old university of Washington. Uh, the first team that they had done in big new Saturday on the West coast after us thinking they're never going to do us. There's no reason for, for that. Um, and then the Huskies, all they did was become the number three highest selling um, big new Saturday team of season two, which uh, brought a lot of joy to my heart that uh that our fan base can rally around stuff in a way that's, you know, the big boys can Florida and Georgia can, um, that was just really cool to see. And, uh, you know, it has nothing to do with real games or anything, but, um, you know, 
beat Michigan, beat Texas, beat Notre Dame, beat LSU. Uh, so I, I like knowing that our fan base is um, at least wealthy enough to, to afford these things, if not passionate enough to, uh, to care about them. And I cannot wait for my giant ass home field apparel order, order to finally hit my doorstep because um, yeah. it is taking its sweet time. But partly, be, yeah. I'm sure, because uh, there are a lot of orders to to uh, to do because the Huskies killed it so much. Our poor, poor wallets, but pretty exciting nonetheless. On those 91 jerseys, did you notice that like that helmet is wrong? Like that they have the they have the Husky on the helmet, uh, which I don't think is is a real thing from the from those from that 91 helmet. Yeah, I I didn't compare it, um, but it's it didn't look like I when I was looking at it, I was like I've never seen this helmet before. So no. Um, I think it's just the 91 logo that they're going for there, I guess, but um, it would be cool if they really mimicked it after the 91 uh, jerseys, but Hey, I'm not complaining. Yeah. That kind of fat Husky amorphous blog in between the U and U and W I guess works, but um, yeah, that's a little, little uh, off the um, off of Canon from, from 91, but uh, that yeah. works. Yeah. I'm excited, excited to see those. Hopefully they come. For the Oregon game in a in a very important game and in a very important win, hopefully as well. So that's it uh, for the Huskies here. I did want to say one more thing about uh, Junior Coffee, who was a former University of Washington running back in the 1960s, who died on Monday. Um, he was in his 70s. He was also a very accomplished. He played in the NFL. Was a very accomplished horse trainer uh, in in the Pacific Northwest, um, both at Long Acres Mile and then at Emerald Downs, um, and was right there during the heart of the 1960s. He wasn't able, he was from Texas, wasn't able to play in his home state or anywhere near it because the Southwestern conference hadn't integrated uh, junior coffee was black. Uh, the Southwestern conference hadn't integrated. So he had to go elsewhere, goes to university of Washington uh, becomes a key part of the UW football um, team becoming integrated. He was the first black player to room with a white player. Um, and he, uh, like I said, passed away earlier this week and um, you know, one of those guys that I didn't know a whole lot about before this morning when I read the story, but um, I, you know, obviously you and I have a lot to thank and Husky nation has a lot to thank uh, based off of what he did. And uh, unfortunately had to go through. So wanted to put that in there, uh, junior coffee. Thank you for, um, you know, being an important part of this history. And uh, I wish the coffee family uh, all the best there. So little soft note there, but we did it, my man. We, that was a uh, hour and 35 minutes. This um, wow. hopefully won't be the norm, but for a preseason pod, I, I think we're okay with it here. Yeah. We're aiming for an hour. We actually cut some stuff out, but you know, again, like you said, it's been almost a year or whatever. I, time is no longer something I keep track of. So it's yeah. been a long time since we've done this. So yeah, there was, was actually, there was actually 20 more minutes of Stanton talking about uh, pyrotechnics that we unfortunately <laughs> had to, to edit out here. Um, but you know, I, I hope you understand that this just, it does not make sense to go on this feed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You're, you're pissed. We'll talk it. right after. Yeah. We'll, <laughs> after this recording ends, we're going to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll iron that out. So uh, to, uh, to Terrence Salami, to pig cage, to all of our friends, to all of our new listeners. Thank you. Uh, and uh, let's ride for a, a fun Husky season. Let's do it. Go dogs. Go dogs. <laughs>